Today's episode is sponsored by Library Wi-Fi and the two hours I had between work and going out in the afternoon, pretty much all I have. Um, today, in this episode, I talked to Bob Lesnevsky. I said it wrong in the first recording. I want to get that right. Lesnevsky uh, and Mark Pirro. They're both missionaries from Vagabond Missions over in Steubenville. They do some wonderful work over there. I was able to chat with them at SEEK couple weeks back and I thought about emailing them, getting them on the podcast and they obliged. So here's our conversation with them. I really enjoyed it. We had some technical difficulties throughout, but overall, uh, you know, it's strung together in post. So that was pretty good. Uh, hope you enjoy. Um, we have, uh, Mark and Bob in the studio today with us. Uh, do, do you guys want to introduce yourselves really, really fast? I'm Bob. One minute. Hi, I'm Mark. Nice. Let's start. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bob Lesnavsky. I uh, started uh, Vagabond uh, in 2006 uh, with Mark, and uh, I work at Franciscan University now. Uh, have a bunch of kids. I'm not single, ladies. I know it's Valentine's Day, so <laughs> just in case you're wondering. That was one yeah. of our biggest um, questions we got. Yeah. So scratch that off the list of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Is he single? Uh, no. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mark Pirro. I am uh, the first missionary ever with Vagabond Missions, uh, but now I am the director of recruitment. I've been with Vagabond for, I don't know, about 15 years now. Uh, I am also married, and I have four kids. And live in the great state of Ohio. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> You're kind of killing our uh, audience right now. Yeah. <laughs> We're really hoping. Oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> great. So 2006, let me just do some head math. Uh, About 20 years ago. 20 years, give or take. That is a – so what did the beginnings look like with Vagabond? What was the original, you know, the Justice League of the, uh, the Vagabond look like? Um well, you're looking at it, I guess, me and Mark, um, my wife. Um, yeah, I mean, what's One other that? missionary? One yeah, other missionary yeah, there were there was just a few people. Um, I, you know, I, um, when I kind of first had the idea, I, I gathered Mark and a couple other guys uh, together. And, uh, you know, like we, we met at a diner and I kind of, pitch them the whole idea and at the time it was gonna be um like well it's just you know for people who want to be holy and do something like wild for for the lord um like i didn't even think like we'd pay anyone or have health insurance or do what i was just like we'll just we'll just do it man if people like you know they can't handle it they don't have to do it and uh and right away mark was like i'm in i'll do it you know and uh <clears throat> like he was probably the only one uh, another one came on soon after that and uh ironically two more came on you know about 12 years later you know 14 years later uh, we just had a couple of other ones from that initial meeting join which is uh just funny because they've been in ministry and doing doing other stuff but uh but yeah so it, yeah they like, bloomers Late bloomers, yeah. Um, but yeah, we. Yeah, the style of. No, go ahead. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say the style of, I guess the commitment of the vagabond missionaries seemed so. 
extraordinary, I guess. It was very committed. It was very, like, plunging right into the life of... I mean, the name fits it very well. It's like they're, everybody's living right where they're serving. There's no, like, you know, nightlife and daylife. It's where you are, where you work. It's all one place. And that, that was one thing that stood out to me because it wasn't – there was no split. It was 100% committed. Mm. Yeah, uh, Mark, you want to talk about that? I feel like, man, you, you, you live that out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always been, um, yeah, kind of a cool thing of just you, you're living – in the community that you're serving, that you're not coming in from outside. We, we really strive to be, uh, to live as close to in solidarity as we can with the communities that we serve. That's why, you know, all of our missionaries, um, raise their own support and we have, you know, we have a minimum cause we want our, our missionaries to be able to like make a livable wage, but we also have a cap because, you know, for us, we're serving in inner city urban areas. We're serving, you know, uh, impoverished communities, it wouldn't make sense for us to, you know, come in from the outside and like a Mercedes Benz or something mm-hmm. to yeah, like minister to, yeah, it's just like, it doesn't, th- that doesn't seem to add up for us. So it really, yeah, it does require people to be all in, but I think even for people who, um, don't come from that background or aren't familiar with that, um, I, I, think that if they are feeling called and they take that leap of faith, like I know for me in my own life, like there's been times in Vagmon where I've been called to do certain things and I didn't really want to do it. But I said, okay. And God's like, just bless that abundantly. Yeah. Are you guys, do the missionaries still live and work like in the same place or building? Like, is it the same building or just same area? It's the same, same area, same, uh, you know, neighborhood that, that we serve. But, uh, you know, our missionaries live in community. So typically each uh, site that we have has, ideally it's four missionaries, two guys, two girls. And so the guys will live in one house together, the girls live in another. And some of our other, so in cer- some cities like Pittsburgh, for, for example, we're in three different neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. So we have... Um, there's like two girls' houses and one, I think one guy's house. And so the, the missionaries that you're living with aren't all necessarily on, on your team. Um, but we do that intentionally because community is also just a big part of, of who we are. Okay. So then how would you like describe work-life balance? Um, do you think it's harder to have a work-life balance when you're living and working in the same neighborhood? Um, especially with a job like ministry or being a missionary where your life kind of is your job in a very strange way. So I guess like what are thoughts that you guys have on work-life balance, but especially in like, do you think that was a foundation in like disciples' lives or? Uh, I mean, if you're asking me, I I think it's, uh, I think that's kind of one of those like first world problems that we uh you know that that's kind of like a, a, a new development you know like we we actually had one of our um <clears throat> one of the women in leadership uh lauren alley down in uh, mobile alabama she gives great talk to the staff last year where she was saying <clears throat> like work-life balance and, and self-care like those things like 
they are, are all good things. And we do do training on, you know, balance, you know, so I'm not, um, I'm not promoting no balance, you know, like, cause I, I, I think that is probably main cause in burnout, but also, you know, people losing their faith, people's marriages falling apart, not, not like in our, in our company, but like, I, I think, you know, those things could, <clears throat> could do- totally, you know, play into that. But she said, you know, like the obsession with self-care is, um, it's kind of like the ultimate evil is to be tired, you know? And, you know, she, she basically said like, look, you know, th- there's lots of people in the world that burn out for, you know, that, that burn brightly, that give everything for their company or their whatever, you know, and for us to, you know, kind of intentionally decide we're going to do that and we're going to do it for Jesus. Um, I, I feel like being a missionary it, it is different, like, and that's why one of the, you know, things we talk about in training is like, hey, don't compare your life, you know, especially in issues such as like work-life balance with just another friend of yours, you know, who uh, works at Enterprise or something. You know, like, it's just being a missionary is something that by its very, like, definition is kind of, it's like, y- you know, I'll do whatever I'll do whatever it takes for the gospel, you know? And so that's what a missionary does. And I think sometimes I certainly don't have, there's definitely been times I'm sure Mark could tell you too, like where, you know, you're like, man, I definitely did not have balance in that situation. And it's really hard to maintain it. And I feel like it'd be nice to say, yeah, we maintain a great work-life balance. And, you know, but I'd say that in general, probably most missionaries and most organizations really struggle with that yeah because a lot yeah you're saying like <clears throat> you go in and you realize things like self-care work-life balance those are luxurious problems to have those are problems you can afford to have once it's like oh you know my job at like you said enterprise is taking up too much of my time but for a lot of people that's a life or death situation mm. which we blue collar job workers nine to fivers like that's something it's like it's like a bad habit to kick for a lot of people in that echelon of work versus like I'm working two jobs 14 hours a day just to put food in my kids mm-hmm. mouths. Like it's a different Yeah, thing. sure, sure, sure. Um yeah, and and uh it it really is something I think like Mark emphasizing that community is so important for us. That's one of the things like we realized really early on is the tendency is going to be to just work all the time and to just give yourself all the time. Like the people that we hire, like their hearts are easily, um, you know, caught up. And so it does help. Like for me, it helps to have a spouse, you know, like, because there's times when my wife can be like, Hey, you know, we got to, you got to relax a little, or you got to be a little bit more around the family. You got to let that thing go. You know, like we're able to help each other. I think with that, like as a community, but I just know that it's it's going to be like a you know perennial problem just because it's it's uh yeah it's tricky Mm -hmm. yeah this is actually interesting because earlier today i was listening to um uh strawn coleman who's like the founder of commoners communion based off new zealand i don't know if you guys have heard of him but he's a really beautiful like poet and um podcaster 
And he, one of his episodes that I listened to today was talking about um, balance and how he feels like balance could be, is like synonymous with perfection. And like, as Christians, like we know that like we can't obtain perfection like um, in our reality right now. And so like potentially like this word of balance or like work-life balance, whatever, is kind of trying to aim at like perfection-based like form of living. Being like, oh, I didn't like, I don't have my work-life completely balanced with my, uh, yeah, completely balanced. Or like maybe I wasn't totally like, I've said balanced like <laughs> times and now I'm <laughs> like disassociating with the word. But you know, it could be synonymous with perfection. I think that was a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and I think that it's okay to admit, <clears throat> like, there's times if, uh, you know, there's times you're going to be out of balance with stuff, you know, and I, I think what is healthy is just to make adjustments. I mean, like, you know, that's why, I, you know, I feel like we pray in the morning or we pray at night because you, you, you kind of, like, take stock, uh, and reorient, you know, and I feel like for a missionary or, or really for anyone, like, you know, like who is, is, is trying to figure that out. I feel like it, it, the, the, the good news is like, you know, it's like, Oh, geez, I'm, I'm spending too much time on work or I'm spending too much of my energy on this project or, the, you know, whatever. I, I think it's helpful to just say, you know, but we could, we could readjust. And for me, that's the name of the game. Like I just, I'm a uh, passionate, um, like spontaneous, you know, person that I feel like all the time I realize, like, man, I gotta, I gotta recalculate a little bit because it's just easy to get off balance. Yeah, especially with the uh, the kind of rapid, dynamic <clears throat> way that work changes and flows. This was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Is I was listening to your story on on Pines with Aquinas and. I, your story, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of like crossing the switchblade, which I'm sure you're familiar with. You're basically like living it out <laughs> or everybody there. Um, but one of the consistent themes is that you're asked to do something that sounds crazy at first. And most of the effort goes into like, this is just some crazy idea. I can't throw away this stable life that I have. Uh, and eventually, you know, due to some overwhelming grace, you do respond to it and you, you act out the call. But what would you say, I'll make it a two-parter, like what would you say is the difference between an idea that's just crazy and a call from the Lord? And what encouragement would you give to people who are trying to sort that out in their lives? Mm. Yeah. And that's for both of you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. For me, I'd say I, I don't always know the difference, you know, because I, I think, you know, learning to – um, learning to hear the Lord is like the hardest part, I think of like the faith journey, right? Like it's, it's easy to, to do a lot of talking, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've been following Jesus for, you know, the vast majority of my life. And I feel like I'm just kind of learning, you know, like, Oh, that's how he moves or that's what he sounds like, or that's how to discern. Um, so I, I do think it's really tricky because, um, <clears throat> you know, not, not to like slice it too many ways, but I, I do think that, um, you know, by and large, like when it comes to discernment, uh, the Lord 
blesses our decisions. You know what I mean? So it's like, Hey, I think that girl's pretty. Like, should I ask her on a date? And I kind of feels like the Lord would be like, I don't care go if you want to, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you know, it's like, I, and I think sometimes like, and obviously that's like a, uh, you know, that's kind of extreme, but like, even when it comes to like, okay, should I dive more into this ministry? Should I give up my job? Like there, there is a give and a take and there's a conversation with the Lord. Um, but I do think that, you know, that grace builds upon nature, you know, the idea that, you know, some of us are wired a certain way. Some of us are more cautious. Some of us, you, you know, like there, there's something I feel like that God does work through those desires. So for me, my first response is always to act, you know, like, so if I, I have a thought, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it tonight, you know? And, um, I've, I've learned that, you know, it, it helps one to just pause a little bit, like, especially if you're a, like, uh, shoot from the hip spontaneous person. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, just to see, does the desire remain, you know? Cause for me, the, the few times that like, I feel like I've decided against acting, um, have been times where like, I've, I've realized, Oh, you know what? Like that desire is not on my heart anymore. It's at least not strongly. And I feel like for me, that's how I always ask the Lord, like, and not like, you know, the Lord doesn't ask her to do tough things, but, by and large, I kind of try and say, Hey, show me through my desires. You know, like if, if this is like a no go or this is something you, you don't want me in, then just start showing me in my heart, you know, like, let me be less interested. Let me, let me, let me start, you know, burning for this thing. And that, that, that helps me. I don't know about you, Mark. <clears throat> no, I was going to say, uh, I think similar to that, um, and I think it's something I encourage people to do, like as I'm talking to them about like people who are interested in being a missionary and they're like, you know, I'm not really sure. I always preface it as like, I'm not a spiritual director and I'm nor am I anywhere near qualified. But like for me personally, what I typically do, uh, like the way I discern things is if I feel like God's put something on my heart or I have a desire, or passion for something, I just pursue that until either a door like clearly closes on that or like I no longer have peace about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. How do you feel that um, that like pride weighs into that? Because I think a lot of one of the bigger things, one of the biggest obstacles is you want to do something great for the Lord, mm -hmm. you think, and then you discover that you just want to be seen as someone who does something great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's huge, man. Um <clears throat> So I'm rereading this book right now um, that it's possible. I don't know, hold on one second. I'll just get one. I'm like, sorry. I didn't know it was a video call. <laughs> I told my wife. Right they, they were like making dinner. I was like, bring me in a burger. But then once I realized <laughs> it was like a video thing, I was like. You can oh. have the burger. It's nah, fine. Nah, nah, we're a food-friendly podcast. No, it's all right. But I, we're not uh, sitting in front of you, so if you spit food out of your mouth, <laughs> it won't hit us, which is cool. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this book is, um, it's called In the Name of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's by Henry Nouwen. And um, the book is written about <clears throat> the three temptations to people in ministry. Um, so it talks a lot to priests, a lot of people just that are in ministry pastors. 
Um, but he says that, you know, the three temptations in the desert uh, of, of Jesus and Satan, you know, like that really like those are the three temptations we all face. And basically what he says is like the temptation to turn the rocks into bread is the temptation to be productive, you know, like look, produce, you know, like this is it's not evil to provide food, you know, for yourself or for others, you know just just do this just be productive and that that's a temptation like in ministry that sounds really really good like i'm gonna mm-hmm. give results i'm gonna show numbers i'm gonna you know uh, make a name for this organization or myself or whatever and then the second one um when he says to throw yourself off the temple <clears throat> he says is the temptation to do something spectacular and uh again it, it goes to what you're saying like just this idea that um man, there's, there's something within all of us that feels like one, that the need to, to be spectacular, or we feel like, like Jesus has the need for us to be spectacular, you know? And, uh, it's just, it's a huge temptation. I think people mentioned, and then the last one, um, you know, popularity or power, you know, is what he says, you know, all this could be yours. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I think like that speaks to the, your question about pride. It's just like all three of those are pride. Ultimately, it's like it, people in ministry that start for good reasons um, and they have good intentions. It's really easy to quickly, man, it's about me. It's about money. It's about my name. It's about e- even like just the idea that in the name of God, I could rationally say I'm going to do this spectacular thing or I'm going to make this name great you you know like there it's just so easy for pride to play into that you know so for me i i again like i said it helps me as a spouse i think it helps like in missionary life to have community you know like we obviously have brothers and sisters for a reason but i feel like that to me is my checks and balances you know is like there's so many times where um and my wife definitely will go along with a lot of my crazy ideas too. But there's a lot of times that she says like, that's so stupid. Like we're not doing that, you know, like, and yeah. I, I think like it helped, like, honestly, like, I think this is like something that's problematic about the priesthood. And I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is, you can't overcome this or anything like that. But there have been times like where I've thought I've, I've like worked with a priest, even a good friend, you know, who's a priest, and they're, you know, my age, I'm in my mid forties. And, um, you think like, do they by and large, like they're the boss dude. And they, they, you know, like when they say something, they get their way and all that kind of stuff. And like what, what it does is sometimes like, I think we're in marriage where like those rough edges get knocked off because of the constant tumbling, you know, like me and my wife, like we, but heads a lot and we, we fight a lot and we're, we have the best marriage ever. But like, you know, like if I am going to uh, act, are you guys there still? <laughs> for a second. Uh, we can hear you though. You know, if I'm going to act a certain way, my wife is going to like kick my ass about it, you know, like, and there's a certain like sense of like, I think sometimes like with like a, a, a priest who uh, maybe doesn't, have that like and sometimes you know obviously they have community they have brotherhood and all that kind of stuff it's just it doesn't happen as easily so i think to get back to the original question like i just think pride is 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 battled best like when one we're aware that it can happen um Mm -hmm. 
and 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 two, uh, like we we humbly and earnestly like seek the opinion, the advice of those that we're closest to, that we're shoulder to shoulder with. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This ties in well with um, a question that I was thinking of um, recently in a criticism of like ministry well I guess not even recently but now it just has like a new term uh in ministry work or mission work specifically is like the idea of like saviorism specifically like white saviorism which um is with like uh the idea of like uh affluential specifically white people moving to neighborhoods or communities of people um of different cultures or ethnicities and then providing work that might not actually be beneficial for the culture that's there, like such as providing housing, sure, but maybe housing that's like not great, like quality. Um, when maybe like local laborers could have been hired and paid, um, as opposed to like college students who are doing it for free and are not unexperienced. So that's the criticism. I'm sure you guys are aware of that. Um, so I guess, like, how do you respond to the idea of, like, saviorism, especially with bringing in missionaries who might not be a part of, like, an inner city life or um, just in that nature? Do you think that that's an evil? Or do you think it's inherently prideful to have the mentality of saviorism? What are your thoughts? You want me to answer, Mark? You want to answer? <laughs> uh, I, you answer first, and I, I have some thoughts, but... That's a <coughs> sure. That's a deep question. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> We're that's not right. paying you. I, I don't know who has to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, we have an Oreo, and that's about the extent of our savings. Um, awesome. I would say that. Uh, first off, I don't know this. Are you guys married? No, no. we're just dating. Oh, you are dating. Okay, that's uh, happy Valentine's Day. You, you see that you're like got the Valentine's garb on there. <gasps> Thanks. Yeah, that's how we're spending it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Valentine's Day is best spent with strangers that you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, I mean, it's a really good question and it's a huge point. Um, it's really something like we have to consider. Um, I think I think there's I have a lot of thoughts on that. Maybe we've done a whole podcast on this. So <laughs> it's, it's tough for me to wrap my thoughts into this um, succinctly. But um, I will say that like the the you know like in the beginning of the catechism you know section one says you know it starts with the church by at her very essence is missionary you know and so Mm -hmm. the fact that like this is who we are um you know like it it begs the question like when have we done it well and when have we done it poorly and uh obviously you could look to heroes, missionary heroes in the, in the faith that of people like Isaac Jogues, um, you know, who's our, our patron saint of Vagabond, um, the, a French, you know, Jesuit um, who went Nameless to... Nameless uh, French you know, guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, <laughs> that went to the, uh, y- you know, the, the Native Americans, the Iroquois, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you know, had, had no tools to teach him Hey, this is how you approach them. This is the language. This is whatever. And he, you know, got thick in the culture. And uh, I feel like there is something just so inherently beautiful about missionary work 
when it's done well through enculturation, like that literally, you know, uh, Christ is breathed into the culture, not as a way to manipulate the culture or, uh, or demonize the culture, but to consecrate the culture, you know? So Mm -hmm. John Paul II, uh, has this said the same where he said, um, if the church holds back from culture, the gospel falls silent. And, uh, you know, I think it's such a powerful quote because it's saying like, there's a whole bunch of reasons, right? Like politically correct or, you know, sensitive or this or that, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just like, dude, the inner city is, um, in a, in a lot of ways, a crap show. And, uh, you know, so it's it's like a, a tough thing to just say, like, well, I'm not equipped or I'm not from the inner city or I'm, I'm white or you're know, like, Mark, I'm really white, you know, just whatever, just different, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, different different things like that. But I, I think um, ultimately there is something beautiful about just saying I am going to get in the ring. I'm going to be a part of this. And I do want to make the note just just that, like, we have a lot, thankfully, like we, we've been blessed with a lot of different types of culture in our uh, mission, you know, so we do make a very um, intentional effort to hire people that look like the people we serve, you know, because um, I do think there's there's something that's really important and valuable about that. So we have, uh, you know, special fun and special recruitment efforts uh, in order to do that. And we have just about every you know, ethnicity under the sun. But, I, but I, but I think that just to validate your point, I think it's a very valid point. And I think that that could totally happen where people either have white guilt or this white saviorism, or even just this, I need to make them like me. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. the goal, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like, we're, we're very aware of that and, and tr- try and work within that a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, tricky like when you're like man all the kids i work with are um they're you know most of them are not white and i'm white you know just like mm-hmm. i i still love them and i still love this i'm not gonna not do it because i'm white you know so that i don't right. know that, that's a plethora of insight there right yeah mark let's see what you got no and then i think too like and bob's said this many times before um you know, it's like, I think the church sometimes gets caught up in like giving people stuff and it's not really, I mean, which, yeah, they, the, the people who are in poverty have physical needs and those physical needs need to be met. But like, even more so what they need is uh, like Jesus, mm, you know, yeah. they need to have like a relationship with Jesus. So that's something that we, you know, in our organization, try to impress upon, you know, our missionaries when we get them in, in training before, you know, we send them out. Yeah. We're still listening. You know, I'm just going to hold, hold. You can listen. There's people who are waiting outside the room and they're very distracting. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's not, we're not like um, at Vagabond, like we're not a social service, you know, we're we're all about meeting people where they're at, loving them for who they are and where they're at and trying to introduce them to Jesus and like allow them to develop 
a relationship with Jesus through developing a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And also like that point of like saviorism. It's like, that's one of the first things I tell missionaries. It's like, here's the great news. It's not about you and it's yeah. not dependent on you. So like, that's so important. you should take a big, deep breath, a sigh of relief. Like it's, you know, all you have to do is be faithful to what God's calling mm-hmm. you to and to just be, be yourself, be authentically who you are and love people for who they are and where they're at and not try to be something you're not because the, you know, the, the teens that we serve, they already have enough people in their life that are like full of yeah. BS. Like they can spot that from a yeah. million miles away. So it's like, take, yeah, take time to, to listen and to learn about the culture that you're entering into and, and just be yourself in that. Like I'm quick to like, make fun of myself of like my ignorance to like certain things that I'm not hip to you know and like but I'm willing to listen and to learn and to like understand that part of the culture because that's a big part of like who they are and I'm able to love people better when I understand who they are and understanding their culture is a big part of that with everything sorry we had to like completely switch rooms and but i appreciate you for saying all those so things we're dead for recording in a public space yeah hey that's all right baseline baseline podcasting here no but what you were saying about like really it's really important to like be part of the culture that you're with especially because the um like the students the people that you're serving yeah they can smell if you're just like bullshitting the culture and if you're just like pretending to be someone who you're not and no one wants no one wants like I don't know a fake representation Mm -hmm. to be portrayed to them especially like teenagers because I think like teenagers are going through a very critical time that's primarily who you serve correctly right yeah 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 because teenagers are going through a really critical time where it's like um they're figuring out like who they are and setting aside like yeah, that's, that's a very generic way to say it, but anyways, so because they're figuring out who they are, they're very sensitive to know when someone else doesn't know who they are, mm-hmm. and or at least when they're portraying themselves in a way that's uh, not true to how they're saying. So I think, like, yeah, if you're trying to build relationships with someone, you can never do that when you're faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that goes, like, across, like, that's not necessarily specific to like doing ministry in ministry, like that's just in life like if you're not authentic to who you are people eventually are going to spot that and it's it's a lot easier to develop a relationship when like if i'm if someone is i can tell is not being authentically who they are i'm not going to like trust them i'm not going to really want to invest in a relationship when i don't like know who they really are feel like i can't trust them like i'm going to be guarded yeah yeah and what i share and and what i bring to a relationship yeah along those same lines then how do you like approach boundaries because i guess like in every relationship there's like you're not gonna be like here's everything about who i am and like completely tear your heart open because there's supposed to be like a level of like trust that's built um yeah so do you have anything to say about like boundaries or like like the fact that you need to be vulnerable in order to build trust, but you need trust in order to be vulnerable. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's building trust first. And I think the way we do that with, with the teams that we serve is just being, uh, being reliable, showing up, being faithful, you know, do, doing things that like, unfortunately they're not used to seeing, like, like having someone who's consistent, who's faithful, who's, who's like, you know, a man or woman of their word. Um, and then as you, yeah, build that trust you know, they'll be more vulnerable with you. You're able to be more vulnerable with them. And I think, yeah, boundaries is definitely, you know, really important. And, and we always err on the side of like, it's, it's always easier to set firm, clear boundaries and like walk them back and like soften them rather than like not have as good of boundaries and then like realize, oh, I messed up here. I need to like set firmer boundaries. So it's like, yeah, you just you set clear, firm boundaries in the beginning. You build that trust, and then you're able to kind of walk those back. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to that, Bob. Um, well, yeah, I just was going to say that. I mean, I, I think um, most of the time it takes a really long time, uh, the kind of ministry that we're doing. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's years. Sometimes that's a lot of years, you know. And so... I don't want to say that sometimes it doesn't happen where, you know, you go real deep real quick with a kid, but like, um, I found that the boundaries are more, um, that, you know, you're a provider in a sense, you know, um, and the, the, a lot of the young people we serve have deep, deep needs. And so sometimes there's like just the boundary of, you know, like I can't provide every need and I, I just am not capable, you know, but as far as like the other boundaries, I feel like it's, it's, um, there, there is kind of a natural, um, you, you know, arc with the kids we serve just because it, I think like when you, you're serving the marginalized, a lot of them have <clears throat> already had a lot of people be really nice to them and do mission trips or stuff like that. Um, it's really slow going. And so I think that that it, it eliminates some of those boundary issues. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about the subject of trauma. Uh, like that's, you're dealing with people who, I mean, I, I would assume have just a lot of wounds and perhaps they're closed off about that and trying to draw boundaries with someone who you understand is traumatized mm-hmm. and, and trying to serve them is, I mean, that's got to be like doing surgery on someone where you don't know where the wounds are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, How do you deal with that? <clears throat> that's a good metaphor. Um, I think, um, I mean, a few things like I think you know your own capacity, you know, like, like, I mean, not to, you know, skirt responsibility, but to a certain extent, it'd be like, well, I'm not a freaking surgeon, you know, so I'm not going to do any surgery. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Uh, and you know, you kind of feel like that with God, like, well, dude, you're going to have to do the surgery. Like I'll, I'll pick them up in the van, you know, or like I'll, you know, I'll introduce you to them. But, uh, you know, so that kind of helps me sometimes kind of like what Mark was saying, like, you're not the savior, the savior in in a certain sense, you're not even the surgeon. Um, you you know, so it does, it does help sometimes I think to just be like, dude, I have no idea where to start. I just don't even have yeah. a clue. Like, there's a lot of times, like, and 
I, I haven't had many ministry things like this where, uh, you know, I, I realized like, man, I don't have, I, I just don't have a clue what to do um, in this situation. But I know that I could just keep showing up. I know that I could be faithful. I know that I could love this kid that's in front of me. And I know I could keep presenting them to the throne of God, you know. Um, <clears throat> it also, like, it's a big tendency within not a tendency. It's a big temptation when you're in nonprofit work with the marginalized to just, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to be a one-stop shop. I'm going to, yeah, do a little psychology, a little surgery, a little social work, a little, you know, and it's just like, that's, you know, I, I think you kind of have to stay in your lane, like where like, I did, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I have no clue. I have to counsel with this kid, you know, like, there's times where we hook them up with counselors and, and do stuff like that. But it's like the things I'm good at is like hanging out and um, like I could talk about Jesus, you know, but like, that's it. You know, like, so I, yeah. I try and just, you, you know, I think we, we try and be really um, good about, and we're not always good. I mean, it's, it's easy sometimes to fall into that trap, but I think we try to be really good about handing people off to, people that know what they're doing yeah yeah how do you like hold um the tension of and accept like not being able to be a one-stop shop like especially when you're i mean i guess this is could be true for any job (laughs) but i feel like it's definitely most raw in any sort of work where you're doing where you're working with people and when you're building like really strong intentional relationships um it becomes like i don't know it would be hard to be like oh wow i would love to like offer you counseling and offer you like all the food that you need and offer you housing and offer you um yeah i don't know relocation stuff maybe like how do you best hold that tension and accept that within yourself or as a ministry I think it's knowing clearly like what our mission is and what our job is and reminding ourselves that regularly and then doing the like the groundwork to to know yeah to know where to direct them to get those things that they need like we have in all of our sites you know we have a list of resources of like counseling and doctors and housing assistants all those things so it's like that's not like it's against i i that's not my lane but i have the resources i can i can connect you with people i can bring you to appointments i can you know i I can do those things but like i'm not going to be the one that's gonna find you housing or provide you with with counseling um but i have people who can yeah and i honestly it's <clears throat> it's not just in, you know, pastoral, um, you know, ministry that this is an issue. You know, it's right. like, um, right. yeah, the book Good to Great, you know, the author talks about like this hedgehog principle that business people, you know, people that are in business um, need to know what's the one thing they do and that they do better than anyone else, you know, and uh, basically, he says most businesses fail 
when you try and be a one-stop shop. So, like, you know, if you, man, we make the best burgers in town at Mark's, you know, Burger Shack. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if after that you say, yo, you know what, like, we're going to we're gonna start doing milkshakes because people, like, keep asking, do we have milkshakes? And then, you, you know, we're also now we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. sell shirts because everyone wants our shirt. You, you know, like, there's at some point the original product starts to suffer and quickly the business fails, you know? And so it's just like, in general, it's a, I feel like it's a, it's a temptation and it's a bad idea, you know? So. Hmm. Unfortunately, we had to cut it off there. We had some internet issues. The browser completely froze. It was a, a kind of a disaster, but I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, yeah, that's that's the whole episode. So um, turn on some music or something now. Enjoy your day. <laughs>